welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. I am very thrilled to have you listen in on a special conversation with Eva Ford this week. I was introduced to Eva through our favorite friend, Seth Godin, and she has been working very closely with Seth for over a year now on the Carbon Almanac, which is a very special project, undeniably, and is going to be embarking with him on some new work um, coming up. I'm sure we'll hear about it soon. There are few people who Seth Godin says, this woman is a game changer. This woman has a heart to change things. I'm going to pass the baton to her and she's going to run the mile. And when I heard him speak of her with so much love, so much respect, so much gumption, I thought, heck yes, I want to know this stranger. So I did what I don't think people do. And I sent her a DM on LinkedIn and said, I want to know you. Can we be friends on the internet? Do people meet this way? And there is age between us and certainly many postal codes and zip codes. And she said, yes. And we got the opportunity to record a conversation that left me with goosebumps and made my heart beat faster. And she reminded me that there is an angel with every stranger that we are to meet. And she has made that her life's work uh, as a social worker and so, so, so much more. And I hope you'll listen to this conversation with a big heart to say, who is the angel within you? And where is the angel you can find within the people that you meet today and on this journey? Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Eva. I hope you enjoy this one. All right. Welcome to the pod. We had a little technical snafu and it was a reminder that, you know, that's what happens when you want to connect with people in different parts of the world to hear different stories. And I'm so glad you said yes. You are my first internet friend of 2023. And here we are riffing on a pod. How are you? Here we are. Oh, I feel so privileged and honored. Um, I'm great. And thank you for asking me to be here. This is awesome. Absolutely. I want to start this pod by having you introduce yourself in the ways with the language that you feel to be most true to who you are in the world today. Would you tell us who you are? So I'm going to make this up on the spot only because um, normally on my channel and my brand, um, I talk to social workers. And so because I'm a trained social worker, it's really easy to say who I am to them. Um, and who I am to social workers is I am a a leader, a thought leader, I suppose at this point. Um, and I, I'm on my own journey of wealth creation and that kind of drives how I show up in social work spaces as an entrepreneur and as a uh, coach and as a mentor. And outside of that, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I, I think I, I don't, not that I don't introduce myself, but I'm always so much more curious about others. And then, you know, what are they doing and, and how are they creating? I'm really inspired by people who are living intentionally. And, um, and then that gives me a space to kind of jump in and introduce myself in a way that connects with them. Mm. Sounds like a cop-out, bro. Well, it's a beautiful cop-out that gives me the jumping off point because I want to, I'm going to start by asking you about why you chose social work 
as your dharma or as your space mm-hmm. of devotion. And you are clearly connected to and attracted to people living intentionally, mm-hmm. having gone on such an intentional yeah. journey yourself. So oh, we're, I can, we're gonna, I, yeah, sorry. I was just gonna say, I can already tell I'm gonna love this conversation so much. Um, yeah, tell me why social work? So I, I didn't have a clue actually. I, mm-hmm. well, I had a little clue. I thought in high school I was gonna do psychology. Um, but then I thought, yeah, I don't want to sit and listen to people's problems all day. That that didn't seem uh, exciting to me. And so I did almost two years in undergrad undecided and um, got really depressed. All my other friends, you know, kind of went in there. They, you know, were doing pre-med or they were doing communications or psychology or whatever. And I had, I, I noticed, I guess that I had kind of just been, put into leadership positions, but I didn't recognize that I had like raised my hand for anything. So I was like, well, now that it's up to me, what do I want to do? I couldn't figure it out. I was actually intimidated by business. I didn't think I was very smart. And that's from, you know, childhood, slow math class and things like that. Um, I, my mom had passed when I was 10 and I didn't have that guidance. And my, my dad was, he's a lovely man, but not, uh, you know, not, wasn't, you know, my family kind of just, you know, Hey, you're going to Tahiti for six years. Great. You know, call us, let us know how you're doing. Um, so they didn't really, no one really stopped me. They were just like, what are you doing? You're not sure. Okay. Well, what do you like? You know, but no one really had anything for me. So I was uh, almost two years undecided. And a girlfriend of mine said, why don't you try social work? And I remember I had read this, uh, series of books in, um, junior high called, uh, the adventures of Elizabeth Gale and Elizabeth Gale was an adoptee and she had a social worker and the social worker didn't necessarily get painted in the best light. So of course I, I said to her, I don't want to take kids away from their families. And she said, that's not all social workers do that. That's not the majority of what they do. Just try it because at least it's a good profession um, that when you do figure out what you want to do, you can branch off because it deals with people. And people are everywhere. So I said, oh, okay, well, I'm out of electives. So I got to choose something. Um, and the first class, I remember it was like the heavens opened up and the angels came down um, when I was listening to the teacher. And they said, oh, this is social work. And I was like, what? I can get paid for like being myself, essentially, because I, you know, I just heard it's like this intro to social work. And it was just like, Hey, what is this profession about? It's about helping people. It's about identifying vulnerabilities. It's about, you know, we talked about social work values and ethics and it was just like, Oh, you mean I can get paid for being a good person. Great. Sign me up. Um, I will say this though, by the time I signed up for social work, I, I assumed that I wasn't going to like it. And I had signed up to take a year off of school. Um, as a missionary, because I went to a Christian school as a missionary in um, Taiwan. So I did one semester, went away, um, did a year in Taiwan um, and came back inspired not only just to be a social worker, but to do international social work. Mm. I'm so touched because I know that people listening to this conversation 
they may or may not have had an experience with social work. They may or may not have a desire themselves. Um, yet there's something that really powerful that you sh just shared that said, people are what make this up. This mm -hmm. lifetime, this journey is made up because of people. And how do we want to interact with people? And doctors want to interact one way and social workers want to interact another way. Teachers, they're interacting another way. I think that's so profound. I'd also though love you to give us context that you're speaking about undergrad. Not many yes. folks that went to undergrad get to look back and say, here is how it aligns to my vocation today. So how long ago was undergrad for you? Undergrad was uh, 93, started in 93. Yeah, I was going to say we're three decades later. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three we're three decades later. Decades. Which that is, is crazy. juicy. <laughs> yes. It's crazy. Yeah. My gosh. Three oh, decades. My goodness. So You're absolutely special. right. Woo. Um, yeah, it's really crazy to see how things line up. I learned this word in social work uh, school called equifinality. Have you mm. ever heard that word? I have not. Will it you tell it us means more? essentially the breakdown of the word equa equal finality in the end. And it's the, it means like we're all, we all kind of get to the same place. Like all mm. roads kind of lead in the same way. Um, mm. And so I, had I had more courage, I think I would have majored in business, but I likely would have gotten a second degree in social work or I would have gone into social entrepreneurship or like, I think mm -hmm. it's, it's still all lining up. It's yeah. The reality of it all. So yeah, absolutely. Three decades later. Well, yeah. what I know for sure is that three decades later, and you spoke of this in your intro, um, the journey of wealth creation for social work was not at the forefront 30 years ago. And that journey is phenomenal, incredible, I mean, devotional work. And I want to know what that means for you and, and where it came from. And I think um, I know for our listeners, it it can't not be an eye opener. Mm. Well, it's funny you say it's devotional work. And uh, for me, it came out of necessity <laughs> because ah. I was broke. Because, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you the low points. The low points are um, I my lights were cut off for eight months. Um, my car was repossessed. Mm -hmm. I literally had no food in the house. And just for context, um, so I, I mentioned that, you know, international social work uh, is actually what I ended up doing my master's in. And my mom's side of the family uh, has Jamaican roots. Um, I lost my mom when I was pretty young. I was 10. And I, I had never been to Jamaica, but my grandmother was there. And um I have a brother that's just 13 months older than I am. And when he graduated from high school, she sent for us to come visit her in Jamaica. And um, again, my, there had been like, you know, eight years. Yeah. About eight years that my, I had lost my mom and I grew up just with my dad and stepmom actually. And so not knowing Jamaica, and I'm thinking when we're headed to Jamaica, I'm like, okay, which, when we're headed from the airport in Jamaica to her home, I'm thinking like, okay, which, which shack belongs to my grandmother? We're going to live in the jungle, something only to come to my grandmother's house. It, it was like a mansion um, on like an acre and a half of property. She had helpers, she helpers, like 
I don't know, maybe like six, six people helping around the house. She had like a thriving business. Like she was, she was a queen. And I was like, wait, are we rich? Like, how come I didn't know this? Um, and I made a, a pledge to visit her every year because, you know, I, I didn't grow up really knowing her, um, but I got to know her on that and subsequent trips. And um, when she passed away, she left me that property. And so I, uh, you know, was actually living and working in New York because I got my master's of social work here in New York. And um, I visited her one one winter, one weekend. And it was, you know, like 85 degrees in Jamaica. And when I came back to New York, just over the weekend, there had been a snowstorm. And I was saying to my friend, like, why is it cold? I was just in Jamaica. My grandmother was cooking for me. And, you know, he said to me very casually, why don't you just move there? And so I did thinking that I would just stay there for a year or two uh, to get my international social work, uh, you know, roots. And it ended up being 15 years. And in that 15 years, I really experienced what it was like not to have money. And it was frustrating and really uh, depleting because I, was the head of the social work program at a university. And I couldn't help myself, much less my students who were having financial challenges of their own. And I, um, that is what drove me to this journey of like figuring out because I, I couldn't, it's like, it's like being a surgeon and having your hands cut off. I couldn't help. I couldn't do anything. And I was like, what, what am I, what am I, a social worker for this degree means nothing if I can't even afford to get to class. Um, and so I said, I'm going to figure it out, figure out, you know, how to make money. And, um, mm -hmm. when I realized that the profession that I had devoted myself to and my identity, I had aligned my identity with was part of the problem because mm -hmm. we hear in social work, we're not in it for the money. Mm. Uh, it's not about the money. Mm. Um, there's a tendency to vilify capitalism mm. in all its forms, in any form. Um, mm. Meanwhile, we're spending money on, you know, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars on education um, to get these degrees. And so when I, when I started my wealth journey and recognized that mindset was like, there was a thing there was such a thing as a money mindset and that my indoctrination from a social perspective had a lot to do with that. I said, Oh no, this stops with me. Mm. So, Beautiful. That was, long, that was a long way around. But. <laughs> no, no, not long. It's so essential because I'll be honest and share that. I don't think we hear about this often enough. It's not a topic that we're able to talk about and, um, you know, conversate on. And it's so important. It's so critical, especially right now in 2023, we have an economic headwind. We have many folks unemployed. We have, think, you know, many people asking questions of who am I and how do I show up in the world? And, you know, the, the, the barricades against capitalism. And there are times that I question that. I'm like, well, did capitalism get us here to will capitalism get us there and what is there? And maybe we need to be more mindful of this equa. What's our new word of the day? Equifinality. 
equifinality, like the end of the day is the end of the day. And we're on that journey. Yet, if social workers can't take care of themselves to show up for the work, then how do we help continue to perpetuate a career? And and where else does that show up? And, um, you know, if surgeons didn't have hands, it's a pretty brilliant least said statements, we would wonder who's going to do that brain surgery, brain mm-hmm. surgery that my dad needs, you know, mm-hmm. how, do, how do we take care of those? I'm hitting the pause button on this sweet episode to tell you about something that you might like. Our newsletter, we call it the Corkboard. It has all things juicy, whether you are looking to keep in touch between episodes or find out more about our coaching development or hot new jobs that we're working on. The link is in our show notes. Your inbox is sacred and your time is too. So now let's get back to the episode. Wondering where your money mindset came from. I'm wondering if you can share, I hear you out of necessity. However, the choice that you made to then take it further and and be all of who you are um, certainly isn't a choice everyone dives into. So Mm. I commend you for it and I want to know more. Mm. Well, I think some of it is, uh, some of it is probably personality, maybe. Um, but I think I was, like I said, I was in Jamaica. I was by myself because my grandmother actually passed away, like right before I moved there. And I was like, grandma, that was not the plan. Um, <laughs> so I was, um, I will say this about social work. It, it teaches you for better, for worse, that um, you are a superhero. There's there's this belief that mm-hmm. you can do anything. And we save people's lives and marriages and, you know, people from abuse. And we've saved companies and, you know, because they're macro, meso and micro levels of social work. And um, so I said to myself when I was so broke, I said, I'm a social worker. I figure things out. So I'm going to figure this out. <laughs> I'm going to figure out how people get rich. And I picked up Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, and I had heard Rich Dad, Rich Dad, Poor Dad before, but I I hadn't read it, picked it up. And I've been singing the praises of that book ever since. I picked up um, Think and Grow Rich. I picked up The Science of Getting Rich. I picked up You Were Born Rich by Bob Proctor. And and that's Rich Social Worker, right? <laughs> so, and and, you know, 10 or 12 years ago when I came up with rich social workers, social workers themselves were the ones that were saying, you know, that's blasphemous basically. And a lot of them got mad at me and like, we're not supposed to be rich. And they were really offended. Um, And now today they are like, Ooh, tell me more. I need to know what's the deal. And, and I will say, you know, because we started this conversation, you said, how do I introduce myself? I don't actually spend most of my time with social workers. I spend most of my time with entrepreneurs, with innovators, with um, business owners. That That is what has helped to shape this new money mindset. And again, I'm still shaping, you know, I had a coaching call today and the person said, why are you limiting the amount of money that you are going to make in, like this month? And I was like, oh yeah, I did say something like that, didn't I? Why did I do that? So it's insidious, right? Um, yeah. So um, yeah, so I don't normally talk, uh, I don't talk about social work at all. I talk to social workers about entrepreneurship, about wealth mindset, about 
leveraging their skills beyond social work because what ultimately what social work is it's a degree in like i said the science of helping people and um you and i both know seth godin and i have dubbed him an honorary social worker because um the thing that attracted me to his writing is that he talks like a social worker he talks mm-hmm. about empathy he he talks about um treating you know talking to humans and that that is what social work social workers do um mm-hmm. we use empirical data to support su- support you know being a good person but um and you know if a technocrat social worker hears this they might say i'm dumbing it down but ultimately at the end of the day it's really just about um <laughs> connecting with the best angels of mm. yourself and to others and um, seeing what people need and trying to help them alleviate their problems. There are ethical dilemmas on the way. Um, there are, you know, personal challenges and biases that we have to manage, but, you know, that's, that's ultimately what it is. So I really want social workers to kind of get out of the box that I was in Um to see that they can leverage their skills in in so many different ways. I don't think I answered your question at all. That it was just so beautiful though because <laughs> the mic drop moment for me is you know the science of humanity and I heard you say how do we connect to the angel within to yeah. find the angel that exists in every single one of us and I I was listening to another podcast or no, you know what it was? I went and saw Elizabeth Gilbert speak and she spoke about how um, we don't treat the people we love like they were rescued from a, a puppy shelter. And, and I'm a dog owner who, you know, I love my puppy dearly. And I just think, why don't I talk to everyone with as much joy and love as I talk to this naughty little rascal in my life. And, you know, I, I love that you honor the, the ethics at play and perhaps, you know, people's own personal values. Um, I believe so deeply in mycelium and the interconnectedness of all of us that Mm -hmm. there is no separating one from another. And it's beautiful that you do have a background and have, you know, a chosen vocation in social work and, like praise be that you are up for elevating that space um, mm-hmm. because they will only find more angels. Mm-hmm. I love that you spoke to books. And in fact, the first conversation we had, you did recommend a couple of books, which I have taken out from the library since then with great joy uh, on interconnectedness and mm-hmm. our mycelium network. Mm-hmm. I can't help but ask you though, where else, where are you going for, for inspiration? You know, you've read rich dad, poor dad. Um, you you work very closely with Seth Godin, which I can only imagine is highly inspiring on the daily. Um, tell me more. Tell me what you, you work with a coach. What are the daily habits or practices that that you would be up for sharing? Yeah, I want I want the I want the inside scoop. Would you share the inside scoop? Yeah. First, some reality for for your listeners. Um, it's a hot mess over here a lot of times. So that's why I, <laughs> so what I'm about to say, um, you know, cause I have a lot of, I have a lot of tools and resources because left to my own devices, I can spiral. And, you know, I, the other thing is I'm not a spring chicken. Like I'm, I'm 48 at the time of this recording and, um, 
sometimes I battle um, imposter syndrome or I don't know if it's, it's not, I'm not sure what it is, but seeing these like, you know, teenagers and 25 year olds and 30 year olds just like doing things that, you know, I'm, I feel like, why didn't I do that? Why aren't I doing that? Right. So I'm not there right now, but I keep an army of people around me. Um, so what's in my toolbox? And I call it a toolbox of just like support resources. Um, is number one is knowing my uh, Myers-Briggs type indicator. So that has been clutch for me, game changer. Um, I'm an ENFP and I just knowing my personality type, I've got to have interaction with people. Um, I, I'm prone to depression if I'm left to my own devices and on my own too much. Um, so I know that I have to like move my body and exercise. I know that I have to um, like feed my mind in inspiration on a regular. Um, and not that I'm not internally motivated. I'm very internally motivated, but um, I, I just know that if I start spiraling, uh, that means I either have been away from my toolbox too long, or I just, you know, have to go back to it. So I try to, I try to never be away from my toolbox. Um, part of my toolbox is different people in my life who tell me the truth and who love me fiercely. Like they're, I call them Eva fans and I'm fans of them too, but they, they really just, um, for years, actually some of them I've known less than a year, but they see me in the best light. They see me at a place where I'm not yet, but they see me there now, right? And they hold that vision of me up for me um, constantly. And whether I'm up or down, they just keep reminding me. And I love that. Um, I, I just love having people around that just constantly speak positivity into me. And then I get to do that too, too. Um, I think my family, my family is lovely, but we also don't, we, I wasn't raised um, like talking to my siblings or my parents all the time. It's like, if I haven't talked to them a in a month, no news is good news. And when we talk, it's like, mm -hmm. hey, everything good? Like we'll catch up. Um, and, you know, we say goodbye. All right, love you, bye. But we're not necessarily saying, oh, you're so good at that. Oh, I love when you do that. That's not necessarily my family. We're nice, but not necessarily nurturing in that way. And so to have nurturing friends has been really important. Um, I can't say that I have, oh, I do have like a morning accountability buddy. So at 6.30 every morning, I'm up with a friend um, and we're setting our intentions and our goals. Um, yep, I have a coach. I have a couple mastermind groups, small mastermind groups that I'm a part of. And yeah. Just always look for a party as well. And when I say party, I mean, I, I don't drink. So I mean, a baby party. I mean, a party for me is like, you know, three friends on the couch um, watching Ted Lasso or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, I think that that is a toolbox 
worthy of living for. It's a toolbox that is so aligned to who you are, to the truth. And I just want to let you know that um, one of my favorite Americans said that Americans are nice. Are, are you American? I am. Yeah, you're, you're American. Yeah. So you really nailed it. You have an American family that's, yeah. that's nice. That's nice. You know what? Canadians are nice and kind. They will hold the door. And I just want you to know that a Canadian friend is nice and kind. And that feels like an American upgrade for all Americans. Totally. You need a Canadian friend. I I have never met a Canadian that I didn't like. I mean, Canadians oh. are just um, amazing. I love Canadians. <laughs> oh, you know, a- sorry, go ahead. Are you going to ask me if I know a Canadian? No. Okay, good. Aren't you I Canadian? Don't. Well, I am, but I mean, like, yeah. there's billions of people here. No, but what <laughs> what pops up for you when I say, roll up the rim to win? Don't even get me started. If I could have one client in my entire life, it would be Tim Hortons. I love Tim Hortons, and Tim Hortons is Canadian. It's so Canadian. much so that when you go on an American tour, you will hit certain states that have Tim Hortons, many states that don't. And I'm like, what are you missing? There yeah. is nothing like Tim Hortons. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. Magic. I, you have I, those I, things, Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. No. Yeah, no, it's not no. a Tim Hortons. I, no. the first time I went to Canada to visit my girlfriend, um, we, she took me to a Tim Hortons. She was like, let's go yes. to Tim Hortons. Yes. Let's do Tim Hortons. So I was like, who's Tim Hortons? So she's like, no, not who, what? Like, and um, there was this, this uh, campaign, roll up the rim yeah. to win. And honestly, this has to be like almost 30 years ago too. And I just, I, I just love, I love Canada. I love Tim Hortons. Great. Yeah. Um, Tim yeah. Hortons. Yeah. You're, you're really onto something it's yeah. so special. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I hate this. Our time has run out. We've gone, yeah. it's so fast and so special. And what I know is that there are little nuggets of truth bombs, of reflection, of moments that I am not a social worker yet. I may endeavor to serve humanity with different wings of an angel because of listening to how you've chosen to show up. And I am much closer to 48 than I am to 25. And what I know for sure is it doesn't matter our age. We're all sitting here with some form of imposter syndrome, wondering who we can sit on the couch with and watch Ted Lasso. And I wonder if Ted has the same thoughts. Like, did he wonder what's happening or is he too busy knocking his believe sign? I right? don't know. Right. <laughs> okay. My very last question. We wrap it in a bow. Please mm-hmm. tell me one thing that's making your heart beat faster today. I don't know if you're going to believe me or not, but yes, it's, I'm having more and more interactions with people like you mm-hmm. that are, I'm just like blown away because it's, I think for so long, I kind of wished that, you know, like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to, you know, know a Marie Forleo or know a Seth Godin mm-hmm. or know a Steph Worker. And now it's like, wait a minute. What? Like, so I'm, what's, what's making my heart beat faster is just kind of settling into a knowing do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like a knowing of who who I've always been, but I suppose just a, an a, 
um, an appreciation mm. um, for for where I am. Um, Cause mm. yeah, I, I struggled for a long time and I, I, it's just nice to, oh, it's nice to come into my own um, mm. and to recognize that, yeah, I'm surrounded by amazing people, which must mean I've got some amazingness too. I'm going to give you an upgrade and your heart is beating and your heart is pounding and you are amazing. And um, we'll just let everyone know that it was a call I had with Seth Godin and he said, what this woman is up to is amazing. You should meet her. And so I sent you this random note as beautiful new friends and perfect strangers do and said, I want to know you. And that is because of who you are and how you have shown up in the world for, you know, over a year and everything you've done with the Carbon Almanac and, and more. I know you're up to really exciting things with Seth and his new book. Um, mm, that's true. That so too. That's, not, that's part of the excitement. That's part of what's making my yes, other things. Yes. Too. Yes. All of it. You are so, so significant. And I so appreciate the song you have to sing. Oh, thank you. Oh, um, we must we must wrap this. So oh, our time is now and go forth and be wonderful. Have a beautiful day and know that when we meet, I will bring you a box of Timbits from your new favorite Canadian. Love. Can't wait. <laughs> Hey, before you go, you know, listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet, it's a wild ride. And what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review. Four, maybe even five stars. It really helps. Thanks for joining us.